Hi, and welcome to your Owen podcast, quick and handy tips for veterinarians on the go. I'm Dr. Melanie Barham, Ontario Animal Health Network coordinator, um, and I'm interviewing uh, Dr. Colleen Best, the postdoctoral fellow with the Advancement of Wellness and Resiliency Research and Education Group at the Ontario Veterinary College, AWARE group for short, if you don't want to say that every single time. <laughs> welcome, Colleen. Thanks, Mel. Um, so can you tell us a bit about uh, a bit of background about the work that you've been doing? Sure. So within the past year at the Ontario Vet College, a group of us have gotten together because we've recognized that veterinarians are really struggling with their mental health and well-being in general. And this has come to light all over the profession, not just at the Ontario Vet College, but we've decided that we really need some research to understand more of what's happening so that we can have evidence-based solutions. And so four faculty members Dr. Peter Conlin, Dr. Joanne Hewson, Dr. Andrea Jones-Fitton, and Dr. Deep Kosa and I formed the AWARE group so that we can really devote some good energy research and develop education strategies to support the profession in the areas of mental wellness and resiliency. Okay, great. And specifically, the, you have an interesting study that you guys have been working on. So uh, many veterinarians in Ontario probably saw us advertising this last summer. We did a survey um, looking at depression, anxiety, compassion fatigue, burnout, and resilience last summer. And the results really reinforce the fact that as a profession, we need to attend to our own wellness and, and our own health more than we have been. About 33% of respondents met the criteria for anxiety that was set out by the study, with a further one-third in the borderline category. So overall, that's about 60% of the veterinarians that are either clinic clinically experience anxiety or are really potentially in that category and for depression we saw about nine percent and another about 15 percent in the borderline category so both of those values are above what we see in the general population and are of concern when we looked at burnout there are three different dimensions one of the most concerning results we saw was that just under 50% of veterinarians that responded were high on emotional exhaustion. And that, again, indicates that we aren't protecting our emotional and, and energy reserves very well, and that can have important consequences for, for our patient and client care. So the results really highlight the need to do more work in this area, particularly when we look at resilience, which we hope would help combat some of the risk factors or some of the um, anxiety, depression, burnout that we see about three quarters of respondents were below the average resilience of um, the United, the population of the United States, which is the reference range. And if you're not familiar, resilience is generally defined as the ability to bounce back from something negative that happens. So it's not that nothing negative happens or there aren't trials, stresses, strains, but it's that you can recover from those. So the veterinary population is showing low resilience, which is not great when we think about all of the stresses and strains that we experience on a day-to-day basis in our professional and personal lives and that's showing with some concerning numbers of people experiencing some challenges with respect to mental health. And being resilient doesn't necessarily mean that you do yoga and meditate all the time, right? No, it doesn't. Everyone has a different way of dealing with stresses and strains and there are certain strategies that have been demonstrated to work and yoga and meditation are a couple of them but Certainly, they're going to be different for everyone, and they aren't right for everyone. So it's going to be how you take care of yourself, how you regenerate, rejuvenate, is going to be different for everybody. I'm sure there are some 
course bus out there that like to go riding and find that particularly stress relieving or going to walk your dog those things playing with your kids those things all count as well it's really unique to to the individual right and probably being an introvert or extrovert kind of plays into that yep everyone recharges in different ways and there are certain self-care strategies particularly if you're struggling that can be beneficial regardless of whether you're an introvert or an extrovert but your knowledge of yourself which for instance introversion and extroversion um what you like to do is really going to help you tailor your plan for what works best for you in terms of how to recover from some of the stresses and strains of of practice in real life. And just to circle back to your survey, you said, were they all in private practice or were they all over the map? The majority of them were in private practice, but we did have some participants that um, that were in industry or government as well. And we did that on purpose. At this point, we haven't looked at the risk factors, but one of the things that we're curious to answer is, are all veterinarians experiencing challenges, or is it just those in private practice? Mm -hmm. And some of that is, is this sort of who we are and how we've gone through school? And our group is also actively doing research with our veterinary students to Mm. try to understand, um, again, what their stresses are, how to support them, but also looking at how do we how do we understand our mental health over time? You know, right. are we selecting veterinary students? Is, are us as a population, do we have things in common that that predispose us to, to, to struggle with these things? Or is it more situational and aspects of practice? Because that is going to help us determine how to best, how to best support ourselves going forward. And how does that, do you know how it compares to the human medical profession? I know that the human medical profession is also struggling. I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but this is certainly something that is being recognized across the board. Mm -hmm. A lot of medical schools are incorporating resiliency, mindfulness training into their curriculum in an effort to support um, doctors more than they are. Certainly a big problem in, in residents, but... I believe that many healthcare professionals view their job as to look after others and they are hesitant to to look at themselves and to say, I'm struggling. We're very good at looking at others, not very good at looking for ourselves. So I believe that exists in the medical profession as well. Right. So what's the next step after this uh, survey? So going forward, we are continuing to develop curricular supports for the veterinary students. We're going on to do further research with veterinarians. We're doing a Canada-wide survey this summer. And we're also going to do some qualitative research. And by that, I mean we're going to interview veterinarians to really understand what is actually going on for them, try to understand specifically what the stresses and strains are. Okay. And from there, we'll be looking at how what supports could exist, could be, could be built into the profession, whether in veterinary school, continuing education, and so on, so that we can help support ourselves because... This is a big problem, and we know with some high-profile suicides recently, we do need to change some things so that we can be healthier as a group. Mm-hmm. So we're really hoping that our research is going to help point us in the direction of some strategies that will work for Those that. Those numbers are pretty staggering. That's pretty surprising. Well, maybe not surprising, but just really, I, I just it's just when you see it in front of you, it's really staggering. It is really concerning, and and when you when I first looked at the numbers when I was doing the analysis. I actually did it twice because I I couldn't quite believe it. And then I just sort of sat there and had a quiet minute and I was really sad because these are my friends and my colleagues and and we're not doing okay. Yeah, that's what I felt like when I heard the numbers too. And I think that that's really important. And and I want to make it quite clear. There are obviously some people doing fine. And, you know, going forward, we are all managing. We are all doing. We are all going to be okay. 
and the numbers are concerning, but we don't need to, to bottom out about it. We can, we can take action, we can do things, but when we look at our colleagues, when we look at ourselves, having some compassion about our struggles and, and looking really to, to supporting ourselves, to taking some time to, to attend to our own needs is important because no one wants our profession to look like this, whether it's your colleagues or yourself right. struggling. Okay. Um, so as far as, uh, what about, produ- I guess I wanted to touch upon producer mental health because I know that's something your group is working on. It is where we're not only looking at veterinarians and veterinary students, we're also looking at producers, um, work people that work for the um, OSPCA. We're looking at a number of different animal-related groups. And the producer data there was a Canada-wide survey that we conducted in the fall. And Dr. Andrea Jones-Bitten is, is heading up that project, and she'll be speaking about it later this later this month, I think. And, you know, some of, I, I, I know from just some of the comments that we've heard there, it's definitely another area that's struggling. And it's important for veterinarians to recognize that because we do work with producers a lot of the time. Yeah. So that's part of why we were really interested to have Andrea on the, um, on the podcast because we wanted to, I think as, as helpers, we want to know how do we recognize this and how do we fix this problem? Yeah. So, but let's talk about ourselves as, as professionals first. So what signs of struggle should vets should look out for in their colleagues? You know, I think that Things that look like behavior changes, a colleague that used to be outgoing, used to enjoy coming to work, suddenly is withdrawn, is late, is being short with clients, is actively seeking to to not be there. Those are concerning things, as is someone who's what we might call overcommitted, mm-hmm. who's really at work all the time, is really taking things to heart, is, is really struggling with, with patients that aren't getting better or with difficult clients, you know sort of withdrawing or really stepping in can both be signs that you're struggling either with depression and anxiety with some withdrawal or if you're getting over involved you might be starting to put yourself at risk for burnout and compassion fatigue what i would really suggest is that if you are concerned about a colleague that you just ask them a question just sincerely ask them how they're doing try to try to find a time that is that is quiet and and let them let them share with you if they're ready to, and if they're not, then that's okay as well. Because we don't know what's going on for someone, and it might be a concern in their personal lives that's affecting their professional lives, or it might just be, you know, heartworm season is coming up, and that gets mm-hmm. really busy for a lot of people. So trying to manage all of that um, can be really hard. So, you know, looking for behavior change is one of the is one of the key signs that something might be going on, and then try to follow up with just a nice sort of non-accusatory question mm-hmm. um, or yeah. even just an offer for help you know you can just say sure. you know I'm here I'm here if you want to talk um, because it is a very personal thing and depending on on that colleague they may or may not want to speak with you about it but an offer of help or just checking in is always valuable right yeah maybe that would be a sign as well that oh somebody else is noticing that I'm not doing so great mm-hmm. and I think I think it can be very hard to within ourselves to acknowledge that something's wrong and Mm -hmm. when we think about our clients that have older pets it often takes them a long time to realize that their pet has decompensated Mm -hmm. to a certain state because it happens so incrementally over time and that can happen with our wellness as well it's just you know things pile on very slowly and then sometimes there's a straw that breaks the camel's back and there is an event that really demonstrates to you that you're not okay but you've already gone quite far down the road or you might just have become so used to coping that you don't see that you are struggling and that can be important. Right. So, you know, 
if you're concerned about yourself, you know, speaking, asking for help is really important, but also, you know, paying attention to how the people are around you can be important. If people have started treating you differently, you know, maybe you could ask them what's going on if you feel comfortable with that, or just taking a, a minute to reflect and say, what's going on with me? Um, because we do struggle, and when we are experiencing burnout or compassion fatigue, we do put out different things than we would normally, that we behave differently, and so people might respond differently to us, but we might not understand why. Right. Any other uh, signs that you should look for in yourselves? And because it might be, as you say, it might be a bit different looking at um, looking at a colleague versus yourself. You know, I think if you're experiencing distant disinterest in things that would normally be fun for you, if you're flying off the handle um, more frequently, if you know, if you know you're driving to work and you just don't want to be there, if your coffee habits have changed, if you're suddenly drinking five coffees a day instead of, you know, one or two, those can all be signs that, that you're not doing it right. If your energy is so low that you need, you know, more coffee or more sugar to get through the day, um, you know, weight change is another one can be indica indicative of stress, whether it's weight gain or weight loss. We all handle things differently. I'm a stress eater, but <laughs> I know some people aren't and I don't want to to take that away from the people who sort of just don't eat right and whether it's you don't have time to eat or you're too stressed out to eat so um, you know looking at your relationships in your family if you're having if you're having a struggle more with your partner or more with your kids again your behavior might have changed and they're responding to that but of course you haven't noticed that your behavior is changing right you just think everyone is you just, around you is a big jerk all of a sudden <laughs> well and I mean it sounds silly but it it can happen that way and you're sort of going why are they all being so difficult or why are they why are they frustrating me all the time why are they acting out and really it's that your your patience your tolerance your fuse has been shortened mm -hmm. by the stresses and strains that are going on in your life and so you're actually it just feeds itself your fuse is shorter so you fly off off the handle more often which probably doesn't support your you know your children or your partner being their best selves and then you see that and it's a vicious circle and it can be hard to get off right hard to step off that and and take some time for yourself or really recognize what where the origin of the problem is right what do you think um what do you think that employers can do um if as many people who might be listening to this would be employing associates or or have uh you know what what do you think that would be strategies for for those people um I really want to highlight the uh, the OVMA, the Ontario Vet Med Association, has just rolled out a employee assistance program and a member assistance program mm -hmm. that has, you know, twenty four seven access to counseling, um, lifestyle supports, um, and all sorts of things that are going to support resiliency and wellness. And so, for veterinarians themselves, if you are an OVMA member, they have access to that. Mm -hmm. So I would say that that's a great first step. There's even a, an a smartphone application that you can install and you can make contact with some of these resources that way. Um, for your employees, if your veterinarian employees are um, OVMA members, if you have clinic membership, they can access it as well. Um, and you can choose to have for your technician staff and your office staff, they can, um, I believe, have access as well, depending on what your clinic chooses to do. Because we shouldn't forget that technicians, office staff, and so on, everyone at the clinic can be affected by some of these mental mm -hmm. health challenges in our profession, whether they are due to personal or professional concerns. We It's important to recognize that as well. Yeah. And that it's not just veterinarians, as we said. We are we can be concerned about our clients, our producers. Um, you know, there are, in the Guelph-Wellington area, there's a, there's a hotline called HERE 24-7 that um, 
has mental health um, services as well. So you can Google here 24-7 or the 1-800 number is 844-437-3247. Um, Great. And we have put, we'll put that up with the podcast as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> on that note, are there any other resources that you think veterinarians should know about for themselves or for colleagues or employees or whatever? There's um, <clears throat> the, the Vet Association in the UK have a great website. It's called vetlife.org.uk. And that has um, areas of professional issues, personal issues, well-being, and so on. And they have um, some of the resources there, like the hotlines are obviously UK-specific, but they do have other reference and reference and resource information that can be quite helpful. Um, So I suggest, you know, that's a website to to click around on if Mm -hmm. if you're interested in it. Um, And then, you know, a lot of the the regional organizations or you know, the provincial organizations are looking at having better supports in place. Conferences are starting to have um, even just yoga lunch times and so on. It's starting to be a concern. OVMA is hosting a great ideas conference where there's going to be some wellness work. So, you know, I think that if you are interested in this, there are starting to be some some opportunities to seek out more information about it in the profession. And obviously our research we will be publishing as soon as we can. And um, if anyone has questions or concerns, they're welcome to contact our group, um, and we'll we'll do what we can to to connect you with appropriate resources or information or supports. Okay, and just a last question. I know we sort of touched a little bit on this. Like, how do you recommend starting this conversation with a colleague? Because I or empl- I can imagine like an employer to an employee would be also really difficult. I mean, it's not a not a particularly easy thing to talk about. No, it's not, and it's interesting. Uh, a colleague of mine. Um, recently actually had this happen to her in practice and she called me because she was worried that she was in trouble she said I think I'm in trouble at work they they asked me how I was doing and they said I was being a bit different with clients and she was very concerned that she was in trouble and I I said to her I said do you think that you're in trouble or do you think they're concerned about you and she said well I think they might be concerned about me And I said oh okay well that's different than feeling like you're in trouble so what I would suggest is making sure that you set the conversation up for success with respect to why you're talking about it. Mm-hmm. Saying, you know, you're saying very openly, you're not in trouble and just concerned. Mm-hmm. Or how are you doing? And just making time for that conversation. You know, we, we often ask our, you know, our technicians, our office staff, our, our veterinarian colleagues when we walk into the office in the morning, hey, how's it going? That's not the same as creating a little bit of space and time and saying, hey, how are you? Right, like a check-in like a check-in and so you know setting up that that conversation so that there is an opportunity for the person to respond is important ensuring that they don't feel like they're being punished or written up for that conversation right and sometimes it's saying what can I do to help Mm -hmm. you know you look at a colleague that's overwhelmed and this might just be on a given day they might not be suffering from any of the things that we've talked about they might just be having a, a tough day saying what can I do to help saying, I really just, you know, I just need to get this off my chest. I, you know, I really need help with my paperwork or I find this client really difficult by just saying, what can I do to help? You give that person the opportunity to respond with what would be helpful without Mm -hmm. necessarily needing to share information that they're not comfortable sharing with a work colleague. Right. Because we don't all like to bring our, our stresses, our strains. We don't like to talk about them at work, but an offer of help is often the most powerful thing. Sure. Okay. Great. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we close up? 
I, I really just want everyone to hopefully understand that if you are struggling, that you are certainly not alone, but you shouldn't feel like you're stuck in that struggle. You know, this is not all veterinarians are stuck being anxious and depressed or compassionate. That's the fatigued. way it is. No, and no. That's, and that's the way it is, that it's not normal, but it is common. And so there are steps we can take, steps you can take, supports you can look at to to help things be better. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important. You're not stuck there. Um, and you're not alone. But because the because our data is so concerning, you know, we know that there are a lot of people that need help. But So pay attention to yourself. Pay attention, attention to, to yourself. Your <laughs> pay attention to your colleagues. Ask for help if you need it. Great. Okay. Thank you very much, Colleen.